most people just give up, but you're not those people. Like, I don't know where you get it. And Nancy's like, oh, I totally get it from dad. That guy never gives up. <laughs> Ted has actively given up on everything yeah. in his life. <laughs> actively gives up on being awake every second of the day. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is, what is the first comic book you bought or like owned? Short answer, I had a lot of Archie comics as a kid. And we would get like the smaller ones that were like the Mm -hmm. digests. So that was like... Kind of like a book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I always went for the Betty and Veronica's. Taste. Oh, same. Because yeah. you have taste. Yeah. Or yeah. the Jugheads, personally. That's because you Good. are a Jughead in many ways. Many ways. Comic book Jughead is the one that I claim. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you should claim. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And my, the first comic, I had the same one, but like, since we have the same origin story, I'm going to say that the first comic that I bought that I was like truly interested in comics was Invincible Iron Man, the extremist arc. I bought like the whole set and um, I realized reading it that they had lost connection based Tony's look on Josh Holloway. Mm. To like an eerie degree. Oh, like, wow. if you could find me a picture, I would be thrilled. You know what? Yes. You got it. Okay. It would really freak me out. But yeah, I read that and it was uh, really sad. But I did learn about Rescue, who they wound up putting in the MCU. But by then, I did not care about Marvel anymore. And I don't read comic books. But to be fair, I also don't read books. I only read fan fiction because I'm what? Uneducated. No, you're what? Know what you want. Ezeki. Thank you. You're what? Head hurts from looking at a screen for too long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. You can find my words at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I do not have the Archie Comics origin story because I simply didn't read any Archie Comics, to be honest. I didn't go to a comic book shop and purchase a comic until I was, like, 25 and... I went with my friend uh, Aaron, who is an avid comic book reader, and uh, it was my first time and it was delightful. And I purchased a single issue of the Star Wars comics with, that had Han and Leia on the front, because I know what I'm about. And I purchased uh, the first issue of Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, which is, I've now owned uh, the first three volumes of Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Because it is probably my favorite reimagining of Scooby-Doo. Nice. Yeah. I actually knew about that. It's like this, uh, it's this comic book series that covers, like, turning, like, Velma accidentally causing this, like, virus to be released through the entire that's world. That's too on the That's too on the That turns people into, like, literal monsters, and they have to, like, survive the apocalypse. That sounds fun as hell. Yeah. I would enjoy that. And like I'd Daph- love to live that. Daphne's like a full-blown <laughs> journalist. Daphne's like a full-blown journalist and like it's super cool and like there is some like catty stuff between Daphne and Velma that I'm like, what? Right, Should they just be gay? Put more women in this writer's room or whatever. But it's it's cool and I like the aesthetics of it a lot. Alright. And now I have a bunch of Star Trek TNG con- comics as well. Oh yeah, the most recent comic I bought was the Mirror Universe Star Trek Voyager one. Yeah. I have, I have a couple of the, uh, like, Riverdale... Oh, yeah, we got you one of those. ...comic books. 
Uh, and then the, the first of the new comics that was, like, the first Jughead comic has, like, him saying the word asexual in yeah. it, so that's why it's, like, I own that one. It's important. It's important, that one. I like, I like comics, and I love the medium of graphic novels and stuff, but it was just never something that I could focus on for too long a time, because mm-hmm. I, I can't hold my attention on anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Today we have more to say about episode 304 of Stranger Things, The Sauna Test. This episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons 1, 2, and 3 of Stranger Things. The title is because they're trying to see if Billy's the host for the Mind Flayer by doing a test in the sauna. What? Straight up. That's why it's called that. You know what? That was surprising. I had no idea. Some fun facts about this episode is that Billy dropped the F-bomb in this episode, and um, it's, I think, the the only, first and only episode where the F-word is said in the... uh, in the, you in the show. can't hear it. Well, that's it's the thing. It's that, like, interesting that they chose to use their f bomb here. Like, I wonder if Dacre was just so into it that he improvised it and they mm, just kept it in. That would that sounds more realistic yeah. than Stranger Things wasting their one f bomb because it was like when they did it on Street or on Stranger Things on Shit's Creek, it was like you knew that was their one use of the f bomb. Yeah. like they deployed it right. Like, and when you're one, watching a movie that's PG thirteen and you're like, when's it gonna happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this one I was just like, oh, all right. Yeah, I think that that, my guess is that he improvised it and then they just kept it in because it was so, like, raw. Yeah, that Um, makes sense to me. When I was doing my notes, I do my notes on 1.5, like, on speed 1.5 just to, like, get through it because I'm just writing my notes and everything. But then we rewatch it together the night before we record. um, And I was like, oh, he says the F-bomb? I didn't even know. And then we rewatched it. I was like, oh, there it is. I found it. Yeah. But it's like, I only knew it was there, one, because you mentioned it, but I didn't know when it was, but Mm -hmm. just because it was in the subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently this is also the only episode in season three where Grigori does not appear. Apparently he's in every other episode this season except for this one. Who? The toolbox motorcycle guy? Didn't know that was his name. I didn't know that was his name either. He's in every other one. Apparently. Just like said. Is it like just like his feet or something that you see? Because like I have no concept of this character. Him just like walking through the office of the no, he's the uh, guy that, that beat up and he beat up Hopper, Hopper last episode. episode. Yeah, but like you don't really see his face. You usually just see like him ominously walking. Yeah. But that counts. I mean it's the actor. I mean it does. I just yeah. didn't I just didn't know he had a name. So it's Grigory, not Gregory? Well he's Russian. It's G R I G O R Y. Or O R I. So Grigory. Grigory, yeah. I wasn't asking that like out of saying you said it wrong. It was a genuine question. Oh no, it is Grigory. Fascinating. Russian. Good. <laughs> so we split up this episode into four storylines. Jancy, Jopper, the Scoops Ahoy stuff, and what's going on with the kids and Billy. I do have to say, so many good favorite line award options. So much. It was quality. like hard to uh, to pare it down there. Yeah. I still have two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to decide if I want to use one of these. I think I probably will. You can't will, spell but. America without Erica. <laughs> My favorite line award is Dustin's silence after she says that because yeah. he's trying to compute. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to start with Jancy. And I wrote the storyline for Jancy. Mrs. Driscoll has uh, straight up lost her mind and Nancy and Jonathan have to call 911 to get her into an ambulance. She's super strong though and she's eating fertilizer. Um, big yikes. Delicious. At work the next day, jo- Nancy and Jonathan wait to be reprimanded by their boss. Tom is super disappointed in them and like super freaking angry about it. And Nancy finally snaps back at him but he humiliates her and then fires them both. Nancy tries to justify what just happened to them and then and thinks that maybe Tom is on drugs. 
Jonathan is angry at her for getting them fired because he's poor and he won't have the same opportunities that she will. He basically goes off on her about her privilege coming from a wealthy family, but she tells him that he doesn't understand what it's like for her to be humiliated by those men. Uh, They come to the conclusion that they don't really understand each other. When Nancy gets home, Karen is there vacuuming. Nancy is visibly upset, but she tells Karen it was just a light day and goes upstairs. Karen follows Nancy to find her door unlocked, but Nancy comes out a minute later and follows her mom back downstairs to tell her what happened. She says that she just wanted to be right so badly. Karen understands her completely and she tells her that the world knocks you down until you just give up. She tells Nancy that she's so proud of her because she's a fighter. Nancy tells her that she got it from her and Karen tells her that if she believes in her story to keep going, finish it and then sell it to an even bigger paper. Nancy goes to see Mrs. Driscoll at the hospital and lies and tells the lady that at the front desk that she's Mrs. Driscoll's granddaughter, Nancy Driscoll, uh, in order to get inside. Driscoll's heart rate then begins to rise and Nancy is like super worried about it. She looks straight up possessed and Nancy like mashes the help button over and over and just stares in horror as Mrs. Driscoll um, seizes. Yeah. (laughs) The end. So, first of all, they have to call the ambulance for her, which, thank God, because they are genuinely trying to help her and she Mm -hmm. insists that she like has to go back, um, and, but then but then it's, like, clear that she's kind of, like, reaching for the factory, um, so it's, like, are you going back to your house, or are you, like, so far gone at this point that you're thinking you have to go to the factory, and that's, like, where you belong? Yeah, like, what location are you going back to, Jack? Yeah. And then Callahan is also here, and he's like, huh? What? And I'm like, ugh, you're the best cop to be here Has for this. Has he ever had a clue in his life? I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> So they're back at work the next day. Jake Busey makes fun of them like they're about to get fired because he's a terrible person. He looks like he looks like someone's bleached butthole. He looks like his father. <laughs> oh god! Someone looks like someone's bleached butthole. <laughs> Jake Busey, if you're listening to this, sorry. <laughs> it's the hair. Yeah. Sorry, your dad's a Republican. Sorry about that. <laughs> Um, so Callahan was talking with Tom, um, and now Tom's gonna talk to them, basically. In the other storyline, we straight up thought Tom was dead at this point, because a bunch of scary mm-hmm. things have happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so this is very, very creepy to see him. He says that he worked at this paper for 25 years, and we have the trust of the community as a small paper, and you guys are, like, ruining the trust that we have. I'm like, dude. I do what make, I want. <laughs> they, they make blotting paper. Like, dab it off. Uh, I bet, like, he probably can't even feel it because he's, like, not kind of there, you know? So, like, he doesn't even know things are weird, I guess. Nancy tries to explain, but he yells at her and, like, kicks stuff and talks about how they don't value facts. The, uh... What a cool guy. We noticed when we were watching this scene last night that everything is, like, tilted, Mm -hmm. which is really cool, like, a a very cool way to show that the perspective of this scene is, like, very off because Tom is, like, not himself. And Nancy is, like, not able to, like get her point across to someone who's been, like, demeaning her for, like, weeks and weeks. a monster. Yeah. Um, he's super, super sweaty because, uh, he likes it cold and it's summer. But, however, just like we're gonna talk about Billy later, I don't think that he's activated right now, so he is, like, sort of just, like, a ghost of himself rather than, like, the actual Mind Flayer right now. that's what I was gonna say, is there's no way that the Mind Flayer would be able to, like, deliver this level of, like, detailed performance. Yeah. Like, it has to be Mm -hmm. just regular. I think it's Tom, but he's just extra agitated because he doesn't know why he's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, he's a piece of shit, for the record. 
Yeah. But even more so, like, he's uncomfortable, so he's yeah. extra shitty. I know that we don't get it, but I do have to give a shout-out to Charlie Heaton in this scene, because we don't get the Lonnie flashback to his childhood, but I can see it in his face. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't get to see it on screen, but I can see it in his performance. Oh, Exactly yeah. what his character is thinking. He's a very good actor. Like, I may not like his character, but I cannot deny that he's a great actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, yeah, they disobeyed by trying to continue the story, um, lied about being reporters, broke into her home, and she almost died going to the hospital. And they're like, well, if we hadn't shown up, she would be dead, which is a fair point. So you're freaking welcome. No, literally, that that should be all that matters. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. Yeah, you did something that was a little against regulations, but you saved a life. Yeah. Also, like, nobody else knows about Nancy and Jonathan's story. Like, it, you, they didn't discredit the paper, in my yeah, opinion. Like, right. the, the story didn't get published. Mm-hmm. No. Like... They didn't do anything wrong. They literally just saved a woman's life and were following a lead that didn't pan out. And who even knows who was, like, in on that or who was even involved in that, really. Right. I think that Tom sees them, and especially Nancy, as a threat to the status quo. Absolutely. And there is nothing that will howl louder than a scared, like, white dude in power. Yep. So then he drops the bomb that she is a paranoid schizophrenic. I have thoughts on that. I do I do have the theory that, like, that's not even true. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have that theory. Because, first of all, if she's a paranoid schizophrenic, she probably shouldn't be living by herself. Yeah. He also mentions that she has, like, a family who's, like, threatening to, I don't know, threatening to sue or something like that. Or, like, he, he says that her family is upset, though. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if she has a family that is here or, like, close enough to her to be upset... They should be making sure that she's not living by herself. Like, they should have her somewhere that can help her. So, my mom has worked with schizophrenics a lot. And, like, you know, full disclosure, like, all I know about schizophrenia is what... Like, my secondhand, like, knowledge of what I get from my mom, who's, like, a clinical psychologist. And... There's there's definitely, like, with all mental illnesses, there's degrees of how, like, severely you suffer from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is a level of functionality when you're schizophrenic because, like, it's not like you just lose your mind or you go, like, feral. It's that, you know, there's, a, there's hallucinations and there's things like that. But if the family of a schizophrenic heard that their family member was being hospitalized, it means that they've, you know had an episode that's where they need to be yeah is in a hospital let me ask you a question and it's okay if you don't know um but even if you take medicine for schizophrenia is there still some amount of like hallucinations or 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 voices that would still be present there i don't know 100 percent. i do know that there is always a degree of the illness that like has to be managed with things other than medication sure i don't know i think it depends on the person yeah but i think if you're the lowest of the like if you have the lowest amount of like i would say like symptoms symptoms i feel like maybe that could be managed with yeah. medication yeah excuse excuse me if i'm being ignorant but i'm trying to um i don't think you're asking out of a bad place so i don't mm-hmm. think that's ignorant sure. you're just asking questions about a subject you're interested in i'm trying to um debunk this thing that he's trying to say just because i remember her saying to Nancy and Jonathan, ever since her husband died, she likes the peace and quiet. Well, there's there's also the thing that this is the 80s. Sure. And the DSM was not, at, one, it wasn't as developed as it is today, because I think we're on like the fifth edition. Two, the, the DSM has been colonized. Three, a lot of these things don't take into account how women react to mental health as opposed to how men re- react to mental health and what they do on like medication. 
So, all in all, I would actually severely doubt that she had schizophrenia, but if she did, like, the writers had no idea what they were talking about. Right. Slash didn't go into enough detail to prove it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because basically, if you throw schizophrenic out there, like, it's like any mental health disorder that people don't understand. Mm. It's just going to scare them, right? So, if you say, oh, well, she's a schizophrenic, you start thinking someone who's crazy. Lots of people live with schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's like saying someone was depressed, so obviously they went on a shooting rampage, or obviously, you know, they committed suicide. It's just like, no, 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 there's different levels, there's different treatments, like, it's just... It's a, it's a scary word. Yeah. Right. And uh, and earlier when I said that she shouldn't be living by herself, what I think I meant was that, um, like, of course you can live by yourself if you if you have schizophrenia, but I see it being the 80s and her also being, like, a, elderly. An, an, elderly an elderly woman. Person. Yeah, that, like, maybe this isn't the best place for her, you know? Yeah. So he's like, oh, well, what is what she said a normal thing or does it sound like something a sick person made up? Her very, her family is very upset that you like triggered her and they're going to sue the paper. He's like, I've never dealt with anything like this in my career. Um, and he's got the bandage on his head from when he got hit by the wine bottle last episode. And he's like, well, now you have to learn that there's consequences. And so they're both fired. And I know he's literally a monster right now, but I almost agree with the fact that they should be fired. If if she really is a paranoid schizophrenic and they really did do all of these things and it's kind of their fault that all the reasons happened. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if this was a normal workplace in which all of these men weren't terrible and they, like, went against those orders and everything and, like, there were a lot of things that they didn't do great. I don't know about fired, maybe, like... Re- I would say reprimanded or, like, yeah. suspended for a week or whatever. They definitely should have punishment, though. Sure. I think I think a lot of the things that they did were not great. But okay, so like a basic search of like how severe schizophrenia works is that hospitalization is used in a small number of people with severe schizophrenia that could be long term. Mm. So if she had what he said she had, she would have been hospitalized anyway. She would have been, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we were right. Yeah, I'm I think the writers just don't get mental illness. <laughs> I'm just not sure if this is like a lie that Tom is making up to make them look worse. Mm-hmm. Because we never see her family, you know, and they should be there. Or is this like I'm I'm the first thing I jump to is blaming the mind flare, but the mind flare doesn't really seem to have like its own <laughs> ideas. Mm-hmm. So it I don't think it doesn't have his own voice. I feel like this is something that Tom probably made up himself. If I were to guess, I don't think that she actually has what he says she has. Yeah. And I'm inclined to blame the writer's knowledge or lack of knowledge on mental illness. So are you saying that the writers meant for her to actually ha- have the mental probably, illness? Probably. Yeah. Oh, I, my, my idea was that he was straight up lying. Yeah. Uh, and the writers knew I think, And lying. I think either of us could be right. Sure. Yeah. So they're driving in Jonathan's car and she's like, I don't believe it. The rat is, is what, a normal rat because she's sick? Like, the, the, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. And Nancy brings up the fact that she thinks that Tom was on drugs because he was super sweaty. So that was very observant of her. And then Jonathan's really pissed that he got fired for this when he didn't even want to do it. Uh, Nancy says that it's a summer job, so, like, whatever, we'll just find, like, another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brings up the fact that he doesn't have the privilege she has. I, I like this conversation. Yeah. Because it feels like we can be on both of their sides for mm-hmm. different reasons, yep. you know? And, like, like I'm not- to a certain point. I'm yeah. not against anybody. I think, I, I think that by the end of the conversation, Jonathan skews a little bit too not great. Yeah. Uh, 
like I wish that they had stayed on more even footing because I, I but think, I think it's more realistic though that they don't right that like Jonathan goes too far right because like when you're in an argument mm-hmm. you you go too far. you keep saying things mm-hmm. that are just ridiculous because you want to be right mm-hmm. right and so Nancy just immediately before he even gets into his points calls him Oliver Twist which straight up just is not nice yeah that's just me saying that is just ignorant right and she's like ugh again or whatever girl yeah. what like that that definitely comes from like her deep place of yeah. having so much more privilege than he does right like he actively has to help Joyce with expenses yeah um, there's different definitely different levels of marginalization happening there for like both of those characters uh-huh. and it's like such a weirdly like poignant scene when they both talk about like what makes them not so much marginalized as like Oppressed. what puts them as a, at a disadvantage in mm, terms of yeah, life yeah, yeah. and it's like neither of them can help it but the thing that I found fascinating is that Nancy straight up says, I guess, like, we don't understand each other. And I'm just thinking, but... But this is something that should make the, you understand each other more. Exactly. Which I think they come to, like, later in the season. Yeah. But... Like, you are you yeah. have the same enemy. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's so clear, though, that they wouldn't, like, understand the specifics, though, of each other's issue. Like, I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with you that they, like, it's it boils down to the same kind of oppression Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. But it's also, he has no idea what it's like to experience sexism. Mm -hmm. No. And she has no idea what it's like to be poor. Yeah. So they really are on, like, completely different planes of, like, suffering at this time. But also... The thing that makes them suffer is the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, like, one of the things that they don't necessarily understand right now is that there are different types of suffering and... Mm -hmm. The pieces and the types of suffering, it doesn't, depending on which suffering you have, it doesn't invalidate somebody else's suffering. Right. And exactly. it doesn't make like one of them worse than the other. Like, yeah. Like her- your suffering is still valid no matter what it is. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like as cringe as it is to say it, they are both like just, they're white people. Like they're, yeah. they both have privilege that neither of them are really checking in a different regard. Mm-hmm. So like there's like a whole conversation to be had there about like, how these two people who have unconscious bias and unconscious privilege talk about privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely think there's a, a spot for that conversation because this show has opened the that conversation before, especially with Lucas and Billy. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets home, Karen is vacuuming, and she's like, oh, are you home early? And she doesn't say anything about being fired because she's, I mean, I mean who would upset. want to? Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that if Karen hadn't reached out to her, that maybe, like, Nancy would continue to just, like, go to the mall or something during the days, and, like, how long would she have lied to mm-hmm. Karen about ha- still having that job. But that's, like, the really cool thing about being a teenager is, like, c- going into your, you know, being a teenager and going into your early 20s and learning from people who have had the same life experiences as you do that sexism and, like, basically every ism takes different forms and how we all experience it is different, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, that you have to talk to someone who has a similar experience than you to be validated that you're not crazy. Yeah. I, I don't think she would have waited too long to tell her mom because, like, she comes out, like, almost immediately after just a knock on the door. Yeah. And I think I think it's important that Karen is home alone. Mm-hmm. She would not talk about talk about this to Ted. Yeah. Whoa. So like I think it's important that Karen is the one that she talks about this to because like we don't get a lot of Karen in the series overall. She's very like tertiary character, but it's good to see this like understanding between the two of them, especially since in season 1 I feel like Karen was 
kind of Nancy's, like, only real ally when she was struggling with, like, having had sex with Steve and then, like, worrying about Barb and, like, Karen didn't judge her at any point for any of that when, like, the cops did. Yeah. And so, like, she, she, it's important that she still has, like, such a strong ally in her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, who's also experienced sexism. Right. Yeah, so Karen tries to talk to Nancy. The door is locked, and she's not answering, so she's just going to leave, which is good boundaries, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, a previous Karen would and has just unlocked the door. (laughs) But then Nancy opens the door crying, and then they go downstairs. Um, Nancy says that she feels bad for not thinking of Jonathan because she doesn't really think of anyone but herself. So it's, like, nice that that conversation did open her eyes to that mm-hmm. yeah like it like she immediately not in front of jonathan but immediately did like understand that oh she did something that hurt him too yeah yeah sometimes you gotta understand that like even though you don't think it's happening you're being a dick yeah she said that she just wanted to be right which is relatable mm-hmm. um and she really <laughs> thought that she was but like maybe she wasn't don't worry nancy you were right you were right you were i think that you know not unlike Will, but, like, also not like Will at all, that, like, the people who were, like, are, like, adjacent to, like, Will in Eleven, I would say, Mm -hmm. all the people who were adjacent to that all have, like, this sixth sense in regards to this sort of thing, and so, like, it it makes sense to me why she would be so serious about following this hunch Mm -hmm. in a way that, like, the people who are completely on the outside of that circle wouldn't understand. Yeah. Like, experience makes you paranoid. Yeah, I would would say that Will and Eleven are, like, the center of that circle, and then the circle's bigger, and then outside the circle, Mm -hmm. nobody gets it. Like, like, the people at the paper are gonna think she's ridiculous. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Uh, but Nancy knows that these impossible things can happen, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so she's gonna look for impossible things, like, around her. Right. She said she really, like, hates the thought that she might have actually been wrong, because that means that she's exactly what they said she was, which is just a kid who doesn't know what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think- She's also a kid who's, like, literally murdered, like, bad, like- yeah. Dot, like, you know, alien things. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> she's more badass than any of those men. But yeah. nobody gets to ever know, you know? Like, exactly. I think it's funny. I, I can't remember, like, who it was in particular at the end of last season being like, what, in our sleepy little town? <laughs> Nothing ever happens here. <laughs> so Karen says that, yeah, the world is broken and they're always going to say that you're not good enough. And most people just give up, but you're not those people. Like, I don't know where you get it. And Nancy's like, oh, I totally get it from dad. That guy never gives up. <laughs> <laughs> Ted has actively given up on everything yeah. in his life. <laughs> actively gives up on being awake every <laughs> second of the day. I like that the way that uh, <laughs> I like the way that Kara like delivers this scene as Karen mm-hmm. um, because she really makes you feel like at some point Karen had a dream other than being like a housewife. Yeah, and the world just told her no, it's not for you. Tell me more yeah. about that. Tell yeah. me more about that. Yeah. <laughs> And so she's like, I have a theory that you're not even me or Ted's kid because... You're just so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and But but it's like, no, because Mike's kind of like that too. So mm-hmm. it's definitely you guys. I just don't know how. I just, I also think that like, this, that's a very common thing in moms mm-hmm. because I feel like my mom would probably view me in a similar way, like in that I'm just so much more outspoken and like my mom does that like to me I, all the time I, it's such a common phrase to be like you did not get that from me I'm like just, yes i did just like i i see it in you 
even if you don't see it in yourself. Right, and I also think that, like, even though this takes place in the 80s, it's, like, a product of every single generation Mm -hmm. of, like, every generation of women becoming more and more, like, outspoken and more likely to speak up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, even though this takes place in the 80s, it's still happening now. It's, like, women are coming out and speaking out more and more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So she's like, no, no, Mom, I get it from you. And, like, that's a really nice sentiment, but, like, when have we, like seen that. I just, I Show wish Show me, that, don't tell me. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wish that we had gotten more of, like, a badass Karen when really all we've gotten is, like, not much in the first two seasons, and then, like, really only in the first three episodes here, she's just, like, said, no, I'm not gonna cheat on my husband. And that's really all we've gotten from Karen. Yeah. I would like more from Karen so that this line has more of an impact. Yeah. I, I feel like we had a, a semi-decent amount of Karen in season one, mm. but, like, Season two, we have, like, nothing. Yeah. And season three is, like, a little up and down with, like, the beginning stuff with Billy and, like, the stuff now. But, like, I think this is, like, the last of her, like, significant mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. So, yeah. Give me a, give me a storyline for Karen. I am asking. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes me sad about Karen's arc this season is that, like, yeah, we don't want her to get with Billy, but, like, at least it was something different. It was something because, for her to do. Yeah, because yeah. then what happens is she just gets back with Ted, and for the rest of the season we just see her, like, still hanging out with Ted, you know? Yep. And it's like, okay, but what changed in your relationship? You need to, like, do something to make it be more similar to this Karen other needs- relationship that you're idolizing yeah. or something. Like, yeah. do something like, about it, even if it doesn't work agency. out. Yeah. Like, Ted needs to, like, step up his game, mm-hmm. first of all, to keep his wife. And then, like, give Karen something to do that isn't, like, hang out with Ted. Yeah. Or, like, say, ha, kids, ha. Yeah. Just the bones of her being, like, a really good character are there, and, yeah. like, they could they could go somewhere with it. They just haven't chosen to do that yet, mm-hmm. and I would like to see them do that. Like, they, I really liked how they brought Erica in to yeah. this season. Yeah, <laughs> I love that kid. So, like, which is fantastic, um, and I feel like they could do something similar in the future mm-hmm. for Karen if they wanted to. Yeah, like one, like, one of our favorite things about any show is the, like, team adults content, especially if it's, like, a teen show, mm-hmm. then there's, like, always team adults content. Really, there's only two adults in team adults on this, uh, on this show. Would love to invite exactly. more in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, the- Claudia the, Henderson, step up! Like, the balance of storylines is really satisfying. Yeah. Jopper always gets, like, their own storyline. Yeah. Or to be involved in the other two storylines. Yeah. So, it's not, like- those two adults are being left out. It's just that they are the only two adults in, like, that set. And shout out to Kara for the absolute hustle of Karen doing hardly anything and yet still getting her name in the front credits. So iconic. She's an icon. It's because she, Kate, literally when she was in Person of Interest, I'm obsessed with her. Like, she's so so evil. She's such a good actor. They need to do more with her. I can totally see how talented she is just in the small scenes that she gets, which is really a testament. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it before multiple times on the Stranger Things pod, but when she was on Person of Interest, like, her character is the single most terrifying television character I've ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. There's Because no, there's nothing behind her it's eyes. It's so good. So Karen says that she's really proud of Nancy for standing up for herself, even though she did get fired, which is great. I think I would probably be terrified uh, to say that to my mom. That, I, that, that you got fired? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, when I quit my first job, I thought my mom was going to end me right there, and yeah. instead she was like, I'm so proud of you for, like, standing up for yourself and knowing what was wrong for mm-hmm. you, and I was like, <gasps> what? And of course, then I mentioned it to her, like, two weeks ago, and she was like, I don't remember that. Yeah. I was like, that's one of my most <laughs> treasured memories, Katie. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified to tell my mom that I lost my job, but 
she didn't, like, judge me for it mm-hmm. or, like, do anything bad, so. You lost your job in the middle of a pandemic. There's nothing yeah, to judge. There's nothing to judge no. there. <laughs> so then Karen swears and Nancy's like, gasp, <gasps> mama. I've never heard a parent swear before. I My mom call, My mom sometimes calls me and says, hey, fucker. So that's a lie. <laughs> Karen says to finish a story, sell it to some other paper. Mm-hmm. And they're going to all be like, oh my God, Nancy's so much better than us. And Nancy's like, hmm, good job, mom. I, I am. Better, I have a good well, idea. Like to be y'all. better than all of them. So Nancy goes to see Doris in the hospital. And on, I want to say IMDb, it said, the hospital sign is similar to the hospital sign in the original Halloween part two. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, part two. I haven't seen part two very often. I've seen it like once, mm-hmm. but good to know. I couldn't. I couldn't have told you that. Mm-hmm. But I like knowing that it's true. Apparently, it is. Um, she says that she's Doris's granddaughter, and then as soon as she gets her little uh, name tag, she just like lets the ha- flowers hang down, doesn't even care. Mm-hmm. And one of the flowers drops, and then on IMDb, I gotta say, I don't have any uh actuallys for this episode, and I am I'm so, so sorry. Sad. Yeah, disappointing. Straight up, just couldn't find any um that I liked. There were. A couple goofs on there but none of them that were like uh actually level um mm. so i guess i'm gonna call this one our only uh actually maybe um but it says while walking down the hallway to see mrs driscoll the bouquet that nancy is carrying losing loses a flower the next shot then pans out to show the entire hallway and the flower is nowhere to be seen mm. um that's really just a continuity, just a continuity. error but yeah. yeah i provided um actually while we were uh watching Oh, that's true. Brittany made up a bunch of uh, It's actually. true, I did. Now, <laughs> could I tell you what I made up? No. So then she's in room 403, and I was like, aw, come on. You couldn't have. 304? You just <laughs> prop, prop, set Props, deck come those backwards. Come on. She gets in, she looks through the papers, and Nancy is writing down all that she can from these papers. I'm pretty sure this is illegal. Or it's intentional that she's in 403, because Doris belongs to the Upside Down. <gasps> And so the numbers are backwards. Okay. I yiked at. I know that Ross Duffer himself is listening to this and being like, he's yeah. like, let's say that. Sure. Like, yeah, 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 that. She's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're important enough to be listened to by the Duffers. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, Jake Busey is listening as well, apparently. <laughs> Jake, sorry about your dad. <laughs> yeah, so she gets in, she's looking through the papers and she's writing this all down. Dude, this is super illegal. I, uh, like, the journalistic integrity, ma'am. Yeah. Never heard of it. Like, I feel like you could... This is me being a terrible person. Sure. I'm saying, like, she could build a story around it without ever revealing any of the information she got, but, sure. like, using it to back up whatever she does say. Ooh. Like, she doesn't ever, like, you can't ever prove that she did anything wrong. She just knows that she's right with what she writes because she, like, writes it around... Okay. The stuff she obtained illegally. No one's gonna know. Yeah. How would they know? How would they know? So her heart rate starts going crazy and she like starts struggling and she's freaking out as Billy is in the other storyline. Yeah, it's so like perfectly simultaneous. Yeah, so it's like, um, you know, last season we saw the hive mind and it's clear like the hive mind's kind of coming back. Heather just at the mall. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and then Nancy tries to call out for help and uh, that's the Jancy storyline. Yeah. Cool. We uh, did it, Joe. Good. One of the most robust Jancy storylines of recent times. I didn't hate any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And with, like, good conversation involved, For sure. Which is nice because uh, a lot of the Jancy storylines so far this season has just been, like, build up, really. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So now we're gonna do Jopper. Which I also did. Hmm. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. My ass is sore. I need to change position. I will definitely be leaving that. Don't! Mm-hmm. I better be nice. You know what? You can. I feel like people should know my true personality. <laughs> How's no. your ass? <laughs> Still like. Oh, okay. 
she's got some complaints. I hate this couch! Hopper wakes up naked on his couch to Joyce taking care of him. He barfs into a bucket and she holds his hair back and explains that she basically dragged him back here by herself. Uh, He stands up before he realizes that he's butt-ass naked uh, and then shuffles off to get dressed. Butt-and-ass? Yes. Sam said buck-ass naked? No. Butt-ass naked. (laughs) Butt-ass naked. Where did you get butt-ass naked from? I'm pretty sure I've heard someone say butt-ass naked and it's funnier than buck naked. That's true. It is. Thank you. Joyce tells him that she got part of the license plate of the guy who beat the crap out of him and he kind of like rolls his eyes at her about her partial identification and tells her to like lower her expectations because like what kind of guy is going to be driving this car around and she's like wait a minute it's not a car. It was a motorcycle. She has thoughts about his funky little shirt, and he has an idea about who attacked them. Just, his shirt was for a date. Well, it's funky. I know, and then she's like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, stop! No, 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 I'm gonna wear that. No, I think it's because she's, like, attracted to him. Oh, I I totally thought she was like, uh, what dumbass shirt are you wearing? (laughs) No, I think she's, like, like, startled. I look. I'll I mean, what, it but I mean, what butt ass shirt? No, like Joyce looking at that shirt, being like, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> Literally, though. Like, I think, I think it's it's something so completely different from what she normally sees mm-hmm. him wear. She's just like. What is that? Hopper, if this ha- if that works out, Hopper's literally like, are you kidding me? I, I, I was wearing the right thing and everything. I, you, ugh, it's, it's all your fault you didn't show up. <laughs> She's like, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. And Hopper's like, I hope this awakens something in you. I hope it awakens <laughs> everything in you. <laughs> Together they storm into the mayor's office and Hopper corners Klein and while Joyce handles his secretary. Who is a swine. Klein's <laughs> a swine. Klein's a swine. Hopper wants to know the name of the motorcycle guy. He knows that Klein knows him because he met with him before, just before Hopper did, and he looked menacing as hell. You guys, you'll never guess this. What? It's a Grigori. <laughs> Grigori. Klein brushes it off and acts like he doesn't know what Hopper's talking about. Hopper has a ton of dirt on Klein, though, including, like, cocaine use and cheating on his wife. But Klein is like, hey, I got dirt on you too, buddy, alcoholic. <laughs> Hopper doesn't take no for an answer, though, and he starts to, like, beat the crap out of Klein. He uh, still refuses to answer, though, until Hopper puts his hand in his cigar chopper, and then he confesses that the guy works for Starcourt Mall and that they gave they give him things sometimes so that he could, they can have... And he... And, and, and they and you... And they and you... And you know when you... And then... <laughs> We're all mean. <laughs> he confesses that the guy works for Starcourt Mall and that they give him things sometimes so that they can have access to land in Hawkins without being questioned. Hopper demands that he show him the records of the land deals and they leave with Klein. At his house, Klein shows Hopper the records and Hopper is like, bro, why do you keep these in a safe in your bedroom? And Klein is like, dude, these people are scary. Then Joyce realizes something. She noticed a map coming in and she puts together that all the land that they have bought is near a power plant. She thinks that the machine that they went looking for at the lab could exist, just not there. Hopper is super enamored with her detective skills and tells her that he wants her to come work for him. They flirt, but then Hopper catches Klein trying to yeet himself out his own bedroom window. Later, Klein's wife comes home and finds him handcuffed to the bed and he yells at her to get him a phone. Elsewhere, Jobber drive around to the locations owned by Starcourt. We see them see a mostly empty house and then they check that location off and continue to go to other places. Yay. I was I was just gonna say that um this storyline is very top heavy. Mm. Well, <laughs> Whereas much like, like me. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the Scoops Ahoy storyline is, like, really bottom-heavy. Much you... like Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in a way that, like, uh, the Jopper storyline, like, a lot of important things happen, and then there's, like, two scenes at the end, in the back half of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other way, so, I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's funny that it's, like, lots of things happen, and then, uh, you know, Klein, he's handcuffed, and then Joyce and Hopper look at a house, <laughs> you know, in those last <laughs> I scenes. think it, it works that way, it works well, though, that yeah. way, because, like, the kids' storyline weaves through the whole, through the whole episode, whereas, like you said, with the other storylines, the Jancy stuff is pretty evenly dispersed as well, but it's, uh, pretty light, like, short little scenes the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the Dropper stuff has, like, significant scenes at the beginning, and the kids stuff, or the Scoop stuff has significant scenes at the end, it, like, blends it all together into a, like, symmetrical episode yeah. that doesn't feel lacking in storylines in any way, which is something that Stranger Things does well, I think, in every episode that they've done. Yeah. They're good writers. Yeah. So Joyce is taking care of Hopper, because he got super, super beat up, and he wakes up all weird, like, oh my god, Joyce? What? As if it's, like, a dream or Ooh. something. You know he's had that dream. Yeah. You know he has. Oh, yeah. He immediately pukes, um, and she says he's been in and out of consciousness. Somehow she got him back to his place. Uh, I like that the implication here is that, because uh, he says, how did I get here? And she says slowly mm-hmm. that the implication is she literally like pulled him from yeah. the lab back into the car and then from the car into her his house while he's unconscious. Like I saw how bad his back was bruised and I think half of that was just Joyce running him into corners. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? They remember the dude who attacked him, and she also says that she took off his clothes for him because they were wet, and mm-hmm. I'm like, even his undies, though? I mean, it was pouring rain when when she had to have, like, dragged him out, so mm-hmm. I imagine he was, like, soaked. So, like, if she had left him in them, he would have gotten pneumonia. Right. Or, like, Ooh, yeah. you know, sick. He says that he didn't recognize the dude, and so he could be, like, a government official or something. She has part of his license plate, and he's like, well, it would take a really long time to match the plate if they even can, but it might narrow it down because it wasn't a car. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's a motorcycle reminds Hopper of the motorcycle guy that he saw last episode. Yeah, because yes. I, I imagine uh, not a lot of people in Hawkins drive motorcycles. Yeah. So if someone's coming to town, rolling around on a motorcycle, you're going to stick out. Yeah. That's that's how motorcycles work. You roll around on mm-hmm. Literally, Quite it literally has wheels. Out. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. That's how they work. I mean, technically, you also roll around on cars, then. That's so true. She's surprised by his outfit, which we already talked about. And, yeah, maybe you would have liked it if you had shown up to the date, Joyce. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Just saying. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you're so true, bestie. So, Jopper goes to see the mayor, um, and all the signs from the protest are still out there. I'm so mad at those signs. My guess is that it's, like, a sign that he's put out there, like, to show, like, don't cross me. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, and that's why he's left them out there. I didn't think about that. They're like, hi, is the mayor here? And she's like, oh, yeah, but he's busy. And they're like, great, thanks. And they go smash into the room. <laughs> and Joyce is like, all right, lady, calm down. Uh, they're going to do some questionable stuff in there. And we're going to sit out here and listen to the banging on the walls. Sure. Yeah. I like that, like, that Joyce stays there, though, because you know that this lady would have done something to, like, compromise their mission. Yeah. And Joyce is like, no, 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 no. I'll handle Candace. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she does. Yeah. She said, I got this. However, my question is, like, you know, the iconic moment where she she picks up the phone and she's like, who are you going to call? The police? The police is already in there, right? Right. I'm like, who would she call? 
Ghostbusters. So, like, is she actually going, is she going to call, like, Powell and Callahan? Are they going to do anything? Or, like, you know, like, who, what actually would have happened if she had picked up the phone? Yeah, like, who would she have called? Yeah. The Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters. Maybe the paper? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Ruin Harper's reputation. She, I, don't know, I don't know if Candace is that smart, though, yeah. I gotta say. Sorry, Candace. So, Klein is talking to Tony on the phone, whoever that is. Um, Hopper locks the door, and he remembers the dude that had a motorcycle helmet. He thought it was a government guy, and he was at the mayor's office. And Klein's like, I don't know who you're talking about. He might be a maintenance guy, I don't know, like Gary or John, or just ask Candace. Um, and he's like, do you specifically as the mayor meet with a lot of like maintenance guys? Like he was coming out of your office. You know yeah. who this man is. Mm. And he says, I do not recall. He says, I do not see it. I pretend I do not see it. I do not know who you speak of. Um, so then Hopper's like, all right, let's go blackmail then. Uh, he says that he once caught him high on drugs and also he's sleeping with his secretary. And so Hopper's going to tell his wife mm -hmm. and Klein's like, Okay, if we're gonna play the blackmail game, I also have some information on you. Yep. How about the drugs and all the drinking on the job? How about that? And Hopper's like, okay, so violence the is the next thing. The thing that I'm surprised about is that Hopper took offense to that. I feel like it was super obvious that he was doing those things. Well, For I sure. I don't even know that Hopper, like, took that much offense to it. I just think he was just like, alright, well, you're not threatened by my threat. Right. Ah. I have to escalate my threat. Gotcha. I think it is partially probably, like, even though people know about it it's like something that you don't talk about and so if it was talked about as if it was kind of like on paper that there was a paper trail that this was actually true like you know mm, if it's something yeah. that's unspoken then everybody can just pretend it doesn't happen but once it gets brought up then it's an actual problem that needs to be rectified right Fair enough. so that might also be part of it not that he was like oh no me job <laughs> i'm gonna lose me job shaking into space booty. um yeah so yeah so he's like oh i'll call tom at the post uh, and let him know about that. And, well, he's possessed, so. <laughs> I don't think he Tom cares. doesn't care anymore. Um, he's like, oh, by the way, don't talk to me about your dead daughter, because I don't care. Cool. And I'm like, okay, well, that was uncalled for. What a cool guy. So he breaks his nose against the door, and Candace tries to help him, and she calls him Larry and not Mayor Klein, mm -hmm. because they're, uh, in a, they, they, they're, they're doing, doing the dirty. They're like, Yeah. <laughs> Is that what the kids are calling it? Yeah. Uh, he says that Grigori's name is Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'm pretty sure that that character is modeled after Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger, sure. so that's the joke. Yeah, Candace picks up the phone, Joyce pulls the plug, and she's like, who would you like to speak to? <laughs> <laughs> so Hopper's gonna cut off his finger with his cigar cutter, which, like, after you've seen it, I think even before you've seen this episode, and they do so many, like, close-ups on that cigar cutter, mm -hmm. that you're like, mm, this is gonna come back. Yeah, and that's here's, a tiny guillotine. Especially, like, they're doing, like, a close-up, and he, like, hits it so hard that you're like, ooh, that's finger-sized, you know? <laughs> so he's like, okay, okay, I know who you're talking about, but I, I don't know his name, but he brings me things. He works at Starcore, and Hopper almost straight up just doesn't believe him. Mm -hmm. He says that they want to expand, and he helps them get the property the mall is on. Um, but don't mess with them because they're really, really serious and really, really scary. Yeah. Um, and Hopper's like, I don't care. He wants to see the property records. Yeah. Because he's... What a detective. And he's, like, not threatened by some, like, punk-ass Russians. He's like, you don't even know what I've been through. Yeah. You have I don't no have idea. Seen. You have no idea the kind of scary people I've dealt with. Yeah. So they go to Larry's house, um, and they see the zebra rug, and they're like, did you kill this yourself? And he's like, no, that's not real. And Hopper's like, oh, no. Really? Something that you are parading around and, like, showing off? Mm -hmm. isn't actually real? Oh. Is this a metaphor for your life and your ego? <laughs> <laughs> 
so they get up to his, like, study or, like, his desk or whatever, and Hopper just, like, <laughs> pushes things off it, which is just, like, an incredible 12-year-old boy power play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he gives them all the land deeds, and it was property of Bernard G. Hess. It's, it's funny to me that, like, they see Hess... So not all of these are Hess. They're just part of it, right? Because they yeah, say no. that they're going to Hess Farm. One of them is Hess Farm. But okay, like, gotcha. not all of them. Because I was thinking, if they're all in Hess, why don't you go to Hess Farm first? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so cool. Yeah, because at the end of the storyline, they, they're going to Hess next. Yeah. So they bought it for $75,000, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all I wrote in my note was $75K, so I assume that that's what that means. <laughs> he says he doesn't know anything about it. He's literally just a pawn that's being used. Um, and he's doing it for protection so that they don't hurt him. But either way, he's end up hurt. He's either hurt by them or he's hurt by Hopper. So yeah, it's just like in a bad up. situation. Yeah. Um, I don't feel sorry for him though. Right. And then Hopper shoots an elastic at him, which just continues the 12 year old boy antics that are occurring here. <laughs> Meanwhile, a great moment though, to just completely bring him down. Oh, for sure. Several just, just like knock, keep, keep knocking him down. He's like, this is a bad day for me. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Joyce is doing actual detective work. Exactly. So Joyce notices that all these properties are near the power plant. On IMDb, it pointed out that Jordan Lake is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and that's the state where Matt and Ross Duffer were born. Oh, So some of the map stuff here is, like, based off where they were, where they grew up, which is really cool. Hey, I know someone from there. It's me. (laughs) So Joyce has the idea that this big machine that they've been searching for is at one of these properties and not the lab. And before he said that she should stick to sales, but now he's like, never mind. Maybe you should come work for me. Mm. Forget about it. He's eating his words. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. I love this scene. I think I gifted it. Mm -hmm. I think I gifted it after um, (laughs) binging season three last Two years, three yeah. years ago. Yeah, I uh, I think you guys should write the Jopper X Files crossover. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Larry tries to get away, but Hopper catches him. Then our small tiny scenes at the end, uh, Larry's wife gets home. Her name's Winnie, and uh, she seems to be one of the women in that guy's jazzercise class from last <laughs> episode. I like that connection. Yeah, and then Larry's handcuffed to the bed, but like not in a sexy way. <laughs> Very much in a rumpled, uh, he's been uncomfortable way. Yeah. yeah. Not in a sexy way. Um, Hopper and Joyce go to one of the properties, but they don't find anything in most of them, and they're going to go to a Hess farm next. And that's that. That's the tea. Yeah. Nailed it. Cool. So now we're going to move on to the Scoops Ahoy storyline, but first we're going to talk about Patreon. Robin. What is Patreon? Well, Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. And if we're um, one of your favorite creators, wow, that would be really helpful. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And you guys, I can't remember if we mentioned this last time, last episode, but we have updates. Um, We have so many more um, like offers on tiers, and I think you guys are going to be interested. So uh, at the $1 tier, you still get early access. At $2, we now have a Discord server, so you can talk about this episode and uh, all the other episodes with um, other listeners, and also us will be in there. At the $5 tier, you get 10% off at shoppylets.com. At the $10 tier, you get access to a Patreon-only podcast. The First five episodes are being put out on our various feeds, so there is going to be um, an episode coming out on this feed pretty quickly that you can kind of get a taste for it and see if you want to join us at the $10 level. Um, and then at $15, you get like a quarterly merchandise that we kind of still need to figure out what we're doing for that. But if you join at any of the levels, you get all the levels below it. So I think that it's super worth it and you should definitely check it out. If you can't, 
it's okay. Next best thing, recommend us to a friend. Even if that friend is you. <laughs> and you're like, this is the only one I listen to. Maybe check out some of our other podcasts. We're going to talk about those in the outro. Um, and we would really appreciate that. We have five podcast feeds. I know that you guys have friends that are a fan of one of those shows. You also, know? if you're already here on the Stranger Things one, I think Stranger Things is our most underrated podcast. So, like... Share it with a friend. Mm -hmm. I think that the things we say here are really cool. And uh, if you agree, share the podcast. Please. (laughs) All right. The Scoops Ahoy storyline, which you'll never guess it. I did the summary for. What? I'm shocked. Okay. Um, Do you like Steve? Steve is my favorite character on the show. Huh. Simply a fact. Wow. Not a joke. Not just a fact. Yes. (laughs) All right. In the morning, Dustin scouts the loading bay and finds that they need a key card to get into the door, but the key card is with a giant man with a giant gun. Steve offers to attack the man and get the key card, but no one believes that he can do that. Dustin reminds him that he's never won a fight. Robin grabs some cash out of the tip jar and has a plan. She comes back having bought the blueprints to the mall. They find that they can take air ducts to the secret room, but they're too small to fit Dustin. They ask Erica to do it. She can fit, but she wants something for her. They give her just so much ice cream and tell her the plan. She says that based on capitalism, she should get free ice cream for life because she's helping them so much. That night, she heads into the vents. She finds the room and gets the door open. Inside, they find the boxes filled with this glowing green liquid. They try to take it and go, but they're inside an elevator, and they can't get out, and it starts falling down. Ah! Man, this, uh, <laughs> this episode really signifies the, hey, listen, it's been fun doing the fun, cute little world building stuff that we did, huh? <laughs> time to be goofy. Time to be scary now. It's time for the... Yeah. It's time for the super uh, intense stuff to happen. Now. Basically, it's time for the horror part of the show to kick in. Yeah. Hope you don't mind. Yeah, you can tell, like, based on the last, like, 10 minutes of this episode that they're like, hey, uh, that fun stuff, it's over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody is stuck doing something scary. Like, Jancy's somewhere, or Nancy's somewhere scary. Um, the Scoops of Hoy people are somewhere scary. Scary things happen to the kids. And then, like, Jopper is, like, on, on their way to go do something scary, you know? So they come back in the morning to scout. And Dustin learns that there's a key card to get into the room. The dude that has it has a gun. Um, and clearly they don't want anyone to go in there, but we have to find a way to do it. And so uh, Steve offers to just, like, take the guy out. Um, sure, you know. Unfortunately, you Steve has never won a fight in his life. And I really love um, the, like, kind of through line of this joke this season. Because, like, I thought nobody else had noticed, you know? Like, it's very <laughs> funny to me that the writers also noticed. I don't think that it was intentional, For the Mm -hmm. first two seasons. I don't think it was intentional for the fact that every time Steve's in a fight, he loses. Yeah. And then I think people started pointing it out after season two, and then they were like, oh crap, yeah, maybe Steve isn't good at stuff. Maybe (laughs) Steve loses fights a lot. And so I like that they they bring it back here, and then, like, there's even the payoff of him, like, actually finally winning one, and then, like, them bringing it up so so clearly. I think I love that. He's like, oh, but I would have the element of surprise, so I'd totally be able to do it. I sure Dustin doesn't believe it and I also don't believe it. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna buy that. Cause Dustin brings up that he hasn't won against Billy or Jonathan, and like Billy I would understand. I'm like, I get it, you can't win against Billy. But Jonathan, you should have been able to win against, should yeah. win against Jonathan, yeah. which really says something about you. Dustin's so embarrassing. <laughs> also, Dustin wasn't there for the Jonathan one, so someone must have told him about it. <gasps> That's even more embarrassing. Oh no. What if it was like Nancy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, while they're dancing at the snowball, she's like, by the way. Yeah! Um, but Steve doesn't think that, that that fight with Jonathan counts. 
but I don't understand why it wouldn't count. Like, what about it makes it not a valid fight? I think it was definitely a valid fight, and you should have won it. No, it was valid. Also, if he's like, he's like, have you ever won a fight? And he's like, that was one time, twice with Jonathan, that one doesn't count. Okay, then you have been in one fight, and you also have never won a fight. Still lost. (laughs) You've been in one fight, and you still blew it. Yeah. Um, so Robin's like, I'm not gonna listen to this anymore, so she takes some tip money, which is, <laughs> which is half Steve's, and he's like, hey, that's half mine. Um, and she's like, I'm gonna figure this out, I'm, I'm gonna figure this out without you. I trust her. But please actually, like, do actual work while I'm gone. And Dustin licks some ice cream off of Steve's scooper, and he's like, oh my god, not my scooper, he does this cute little, like, hand trick and just puts it back in his pocket, and I'm like, are you gonna Clean wash that? Are you gonna are you wash that? No. Like, at least rinse it? Yeah. No. I'm never eating at Scoops Ahoy. <laughs> I think that's smart. Also, I don't think it's possible for me to anyway, because no one's ever working. Right. Um, Is it even real? No, I don't think so. Like, you know how some other franchises around there are real? Yeah. I don't think so. However, it's a genius. Oh, yeah. Like, theming. Naming. Oh, yeah. 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 So she comes back. She says that she gave $20 to the county recorder's office, and so she got a blueprint of the mall. On IMDb, it said, Robin's quote, it's fascinating what 20 bucks will get you at the county recorder's office. Starcourt Mall, the complete blueprints, is a variation on the line out of the movie Sneakers. River Phoenix's character says this to Robert Redford after getting the complete blue blueprints for Plantronics headquarters after taking the money out of Dan Aykroyd's wallet. What? We both need sneakers, We've but for very gay reasons. Yeah. Oh, okay. Entirely for Mary McDonald. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We just shook hands for yeah. <laughs> So they're like, okay, well, clearly we can't take doors, but we could take air ducts. Where is their manager? I know that I've brought this up before, but like, why does the manager never actually like even come in? Like, it seems like they're the only people who work there. And also like the manager doesn't even come in because they've still got like the Russian alphabet up. Yeah. On there, like... The manager does not exist. Like... No. The manager... If it's anything like my retail managers of the past, very hands-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's there, he's in the office uh, section where there's a camera, but he's fallen asleep. Right. That's incredible. I think this is definitely something where we just have to, like, suspend our disbelief. But it's just, like... But, like, also, if if you're a manager in the 80s of a mall... Uh, like a little a tiny store, a little tiny store in a mall. Unless you're like super ambitious, which I don't know how many people in Hawkins are. No offense. <laughs> Why'd you look at me like I live in Hawkins and I'm not ambitious? <laughs> no offense to this fictional. Town. All right, drag me. <laughs> Why aren't you ambitious? I just say he's probably scheduling. I'm I'm deciding it's a man because men are more lazy than women. Sure. Um, <laughs> sorry, men. Um, <laughs> don't apologize to them. <laughs> Jonathan. (laughs) But he's probably like... Any man that's listening to this is like, I get it. He's scheduling like all four of his employees Mm -hmm. on a rotation through here so that he doesn't have to work. But where are the other employees then? And are they not confused about the Russian alphabet? My thing is that I just like... They work on Tuesdays and Thursdays and they don't question it. Yeah. Robin is still in school. She's a senior. Mm -hmm. Steve is just out of school. And they can't be working, like, the mall is open more than eight hours a day, right? Like, they can't... Wait, Robin is a year younger? Yeah, he said that she's still in school. He said that last time. Oh, right, 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 okay. So she's going into senior year, because it's summer. Got it. I just, like, they can't be working, like, legally, they can't be working the entire time the mall's open. No. All day, right? No, they're working eight-hour shifts. Is the mall only open for eight hours? Um, 
I would so I would assume no. Yeah. Because I would say the mall opens at ten and closes at ten. Okay. My if I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that they like if it was like how when I worked retail. You would work eight hours and then overlap in the middle of the day when it's, like, super busy. And then someone else would work eight hours. But, but where are they? But if they're open, if the mall's open from, like, ten to eight or noon to ten, then they could be working full days. Right. Because in the 80s, they could definitely get away with ten-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And, like, people get away with ten-hour shifts today. Yeah. So. so the air duct is too small for Dustin to fit. He says that he doesn't have collarbones, which is pretty cool. Um, but okay, do you have shoulders? Because <laughs> it seems like that's the main issue. Yeah, I, I think you have lots of muscle and things around all those bones mm-hmm. that you can that you can dislocate that uh, are still they still take up a significant amount of space because you are a growing human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve says that he's yeah just like missing some bones, and I'm like. Which bones? I mean, I could do research on this, but but I'm like, which bones and, and how lucky are you that they're not important ones? Mm. <laughs> I didn't even realize, like, that it was missing bones and not just that he could, like, dislocate right. them. Right. Steve says he's missing bones and then mm. he doesn't have collarbones. So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then, he, and then they say the gumbo gumby thing. He says things so confidently. So, like, just Everly. like Brittany. Yeah, yeah, Brittany can relate. She does this constantly where yeah. she just says things. I say <laughs> incorrect things because I truly believe them to be true. Yeah. But they're never correct. She says it with her whole chest. I, I really do. I say things very confidently. But at least you at least you don't, like, patronize people because she's literally like, uh, well, are you sure? And he's just like, ha, yeah, Robin, you actual idiot. <laughs> yeah, if someone's like, hey, that's not right, I'm like, ha, that's funny. And then <laughs> yeah, I just keep probably, going on my yeah. day. <laughs> Like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't say a lot of true things. So Dustin's like, please help me, push me. And uh, so Steve starts pushing Dustin's feet because that's what you do. Um, and honestly, if Steve had like just started with pushing Dustin's butt, I would have had a complaint. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. that he just starts pushing his feet and then Dustin's like, no, are you stupid? Push my butt. Touch my butt! Touch my butt! like, ooh, okay. Either way, he's not fitting in there. No. It's just not happening. Then Erica starts asking for ice cream and Robin, like, has an idea. It feels like they don't sell that much ice cream also. No. <laughs> no. So Erica takes a look in the air duct and she's like, yeah, I can fit, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> like, I'm not scared. I just, like, want something. She knows how to bargain for herself. Mm-hmm. And I'm she, Erica's going to be, like, a mogul. In yeah. this town at oh, some yeah. point. And she the deserves. So, f- to the same tune of Karen being like, I don't know where you got that. Where did Erica get this? From her from her and Lucas's mom or dad? Um, both. I think so too. Like, you know that Mrs. Sinclair is like, got her shit together. Yeah. And Mr. Sinclair is like, hell yeah. So. I feel like that, yeah, that's. They're, they both have their shit together and like they're. Again, the only successful couple of the parents. That's so, like, accurate. And they're both, like, probably successful at their jobs, which I think is important. I think that she probably learned about capitalism, and, like, she has a very, very clear definition of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she probably got that from her dad, and then, uh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I th- yeah, I definitely think it's, like, a mixture. I think it's, she learned what capitalism is probably from her father, like you said, but also learned to bargain for herself from mm-hmm. her mom. Yeah. Uh, so they just give her, like, just so much ice cream, and, uh, these teens should be fired. 
Yeah. Like, if any teens should be fired from their job, it isn't even <laughs> Jonathan and Nancy. It's Steve and Robin. They should be fired. But luckily, there's no manager around, so they can do <laughs> quite literally whatever they want. So Robin shows Erica the route. They literally just need her to open the door, and then she can, like, leave. The guard is armed, but he's not going to be there because it's going to be after the last delivery. Mm-hmm. So he will have left. They literally just want to know what's in the boxes. And she's like, okay, there are, are there any booby traps? And they're like, probably not, because they don't expect people to be in there. So I don't... I don't think so. What year did Goonies come out? Alexa, what year did the Goonies come out? The film The Goonies was released about 36 years ago on June 7th, 1985. Wow. So if she's saying booby traps, she could have just watched The Goonies at the theater in the mall. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So she says that it sounds like child endangerment. And um, they're like, well, Russians want to hurt America. Don't you love America? And she's like... I love America only because it has my name in it. (laughs) That's the only reason. She's so funny. They're like, okay, we'll do it for America. And um, then she gets chills from her drink and her brain freeze and not from his speech, I guess. (laughs) And she's like, listen, the thing that I love the most about this country is capitalism. So she'd like to be paid based on how valuable her contribution is. Mm -hmm. And it seems like her contribution is very valuable. And so she'd like to be paid thusly. Listen, like, theoretically, I'm with her. Absolutely. But if I was Robin, I'd be like, I'm gonna find a different kid. Oh my god. To be honest. I'd literally be (laughs) like, I can find someone else to do this, probably. That I don't Mm. have to do this with. But then, of course, if I were to guess, then Erica would be like, alright, so should I tell the mm, police what you're up to? Or your Mm. manager or something? You know? Yep. So, either way, I don't think they're getting out of this. I, I do think that Erica... Although it's really great to have her in the thing, like, realistically, if I was Robin, I that's the wrong kid to choose. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Um, she wants free ice cream for life, and they, like, promise it to her. You can't promise that! You can't. <laughs> Why not? Because eventually you're going to leave this place, and you will not I, be working they here They can anymore. promise it she until it's it. out of their that's control. That's true. That's true. So that night, Erica's ready to go, and no one is there, so, I mean, go ahead. And she calls it Operation Child Endangerment, and they're like, how about we don't do that? Probably probably not a good name. No. Mm. So she gets going, and she finds the room, no guards, and they're like, do you see any of those booby traps you were talking about? And she'd be like, they'd be garbage traps if I could see them. And they're like, <laughs> okay, She makes mind. nothing but points. Yeah. She's just so much smarter than all of them, and she's younger than them. I think the juxtaposition between, like, her, like, doing all these badass things and, like, kicking open the grate and getting inside and everything, and then, like, the close-up shot of her unicorn pink backpack, Mm -hmm. right, is great. And she gets the door open for them. Yeah. She does it. If I was Erica, I'm gone now. Yeah. Yeah. I've left now. I've done what I, I've done what was asked of me. I am getting free ice cream. Now I am leaving. I don't want to be involved in it. I understand being curious about what's in there, but I've left. (laughs) I, I have not. I am just like Erica. I am like, well, now I'm invested. (laughs) What the hell is in there? Can I make more money off of it? I'd be like, I would literally be like, okay, y'all have fun with that. I'll see you tomorrow. And you tell me that's part of the deal is that you have to tell me what's inside. (laughs) I don't want to be there for it. But that's like, um, whenever people, like, use a Ouija board, I do not want to be there for that, but I want to hear what happened. I want to hear the tea. Yeah. You could not find, you could not catch me dead near a Ouija board, but tell me about what happened with you when you did it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What was the the tea? 
So they open the boxes and it's just some sort of like storage container, uh, which is like cold, I think. Because I think when they open it, it's like there's like steam, not steam, but opposite of steam. Uh, dry ice. Like dry ice. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, They're like, well, this isn't Chinese food, even though it's in the box for Chinese food. So they've like found what they were looking for, Mm -hmm. for sure. Suspicious. So Steve tells them to step back for their safety and Dustin says no. And that if Steve dies, Dustin dies. This is a very sweet sentiment and a very funny moment, but I'm like, Dustin, the stakes are so low here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this isn't the moment. Yeah, save it for later this season when when he's doing something a lot more heroic than this. <laughs> uh, like, it's very nice of him to be like, okay, you guys, hold on, I'll do, I'll do this or whatever, and Dustin being like, no! And I'm like, he's probably not gonna die. <laughs> no, I think it's cute, though, and it makes sense, like, given what the two of them have been through together, uh-huh. that he thinks, like... If this is going to explode, I'm not letting you do it alone. Yeah. Because you didn't let me do my hair alone. Yeah. Oh, you so know? true. Yes, yes. So it's this green glowing stuff, The and then the room starts to go down, and it's an elevator. The door won't open, and it starts falling. What an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, that's terrifying. I'm it's out. Actually, it goes down so far, too. That's scary. Yeah. I love the Tower of Terror. I love them fighting over the buttons, too, because that, like, also reminds mm-hmm. me of last se- at the end of last season when they were, like, always fighting over the buttons. Yeah. So, yeah. They're all just absolute children. I would say uh, roughly 50% of them are, for sure. That's the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. That, I mean, that's the Scoop storyline. Uh, I think now we've got a lot to talk about with the, the kids the and kids? Billy. Scoops. There it is. Scoops, baby. The kids. So Max convinces Elle that everything is fine with Heather and Billy, even though all is definitely super bad, as evidenced by Heather's parents being, like, brain-sucked by the Mind Flayer when Billy and Heather watched. So, like, that's, that's cool. Normal teen things. Mike and Lucas try to contact Max and Dustin. Dustin is busy solving Russian crime with two ice cream slingers, and Max is busy being iconic. They end up convincing Max and Elle to come over, and Will explains that he can sense the Mind Flayer, even though Elle says she locked it away. The call is coming from inside the house. They decide to spy on Billy and don't find it totally weird that he's covered from head to toe with blankets in the middle of summer at a pool. They decide to trap him in the sauna to test the mind flare. While they prepare their surprisingly good plan, Mike apologizes to Elle. And Elle is like, I am literally too cool to only be hanging out with you. And she is completely right. Also, Lucas tries to apologize to Will, but Will isn't ready for that yet. And I think he's valid. Anyway, the kids lure Billy into the sauna in the creepiest way possible, which is just to be kids. Billy begs for Max to free him from the heat while also trying to, like, kill her by smashing his fist through the sauna window with a shard of tile. So, you know, like, mixed signals. Anyway, (laughs) Billy breaks out and he and Elle throw down. Billy almost wins, but Mike suddenly grows a brain and hits him hard enough for Elle to wreck his whole life. Billy runs away. Down with the rats, Billy tells Heather that Elle could have killed him. She reassures him that Elle can't kill them all, revealing their fleet of creepy hosts. Well, you may die, but you can't kill all of us. And Billy's like, oh, well, what a relief. That's, <laughs> that's so comforting. Thanks. Um, so Eleven remembers Billy's weird vibes that uh, that she got from him. And she's like, do you want to read Wonder Woman or Green Lantern? Um, and she never chooses, which is sad. Well, she kind of does. She chooses uh, Wonder Woman. But mm-hmm. um, what do you think there was a reason that Green Lantern and Wonder Woman were chosen in particular? I think I understand why Wonder Woman was chosen, but I just like, think it's why Green Lantern? I can't remember exactly about Green Lantern, but I think Green Lantern might have similar powers to Eleven. I was about to say that, like, is maybe that the most similar to her powers, potentially? Yeah. And then Wonder Woman because she's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. On IMDb, it mentioned the exact comic books that they were, um, the two comic books Max offers Eleven are Wonder Woman 326, 
um, cover dated July 1985, and Green Lantern 185 cover dated February 1985. Both published by DC Comics. Cool. Uh, and then Wonder Woman 324, the cover dated April 1985, can be seen on Max's bed later in the scene. They paid a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, that, that those really specific... Well, you know, when... I mean, I go on IMDb, and I see yeah. all of the... Uh, actually, oh, actually, and clearly they're like, all right, well, I guess we have to be more. We have to pay more, even more attention. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, I think they have because I have seen significantly less uh, actually yep. this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that uh, that is why Green Lantern was chosen because yeah. he, he he can control things te- telekinetically. Okay, so. great, perfect. Um, so Max is like, no, it's fine, Eleven. Don't worry about it. And I'm like. I'm sorry, but I think Eleven would know. You yeah. Know? Like, I, like I was saying that, like, Eleven and Will are the people in the middle of the circle who have the most vibes about this. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were Max, I would immediately believe Eleven, personally. And, you know, Eleven brings up, like, why was Heather so chill after, like, the vision I saw of her being so distressed? But see, like, Max also missed season one. Mm, that's So true. she doesn't know how much necessarily Eleven knows. Because, mm-hmm. like, she's hung out with Eleven a decent amount now. But before, like, two nights ago when they decided to have a sleepover, or, like, when Eleven decided to, like, come over and be like, hi, boys suck. I don't think they really had a lot of one-on-one time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, like, I don't think she would have as much reason to believe Eleven as, like, another one of the kids. Mm -hmm. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my next one was, Max, do you know you're talking to a magic girl who... Trouble follows. Just wondering. Um, she's like, she yeah. She forgets sometimes. <laughs> so Heather was weird. Billy was weird. Um, Eleven has never met Billy, but she can just kind of tell that his, his vibes are off. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, he seemed wrong. And Max is like, wrong is kind of his default. Which I yeah. guess is, which is a fair statement. That's oh, extremely yeah. fair. That's almost generous. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least he isn't a murderer. Like, we know he isn't a murderer, right? And I'm like, well, don't speak no, so soon. No. So Max starts telling Eleven about Wonder Woman, and Mike would never tell you about Wonder Woman, so that's why you need to hang out with me. Um, She's correct. And they say Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Princess Diana. And is it, is she a princess? I think so, on the mascara. I think it's funny that, like, I, I looked up and I was like, does she say Princess Diana like that? Because Princess Diana wasn't actually, like, in the, in the zeitgeist right now. But then I looked it up. She was she married is- to Charles by now. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I think that she says it like that and that it's Wonder Woman is literally Princess Diana because yeah. I'm pretty sure her mom is the queen. Right. So. Oh, sure. Even if they don't say it, like, in the movie or whatever mm-hmm. that I've seen. I'm pretty sure she's a, prin- she's a princess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in, uh, oh, on IMDb it said, in season three, Max and Eleven were talking about the Wonder Woman comics. Max incorrectly states Wonder Woman's identity as Princess Diana instead of Diana Prince. Mmm. That's so cute. Wonder Woman's identity is Princess Diana. Her secret identity is Diana Prince, so either would kind of be correct. That's actually really cute. Yeah. I wonder if, like, on the... Like, her secret identity is Diana Prince, like, when she's in, like, regular... Yeah. The regular world, but I wonder if on the mascara she's actually also a princess. Yeah. Oh, who's to say? Um, and then she talks about how there's an island where there are only women, and, like, that's kind of... Mm -hmm. You know, that's their whole thing right now, is, like, girls, 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 girls! They're the best. 
I'm inclined to agree. That's my whole thing right now, too. (laughs) Truly an iconic island, honestly. (sighs) Okay, so now we go to Tom and Janet being tied up in the factory. They assume that Billy has Heather on, like, drugs or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, there is no stopping it. Billy gets really creepy with her mom because they're, like, actively trying to make this rapey and it's really gross. And then they just leave them there for the monster and it, like, grabs onto their faces and just, like, drinks their souls or something. Well, no, it does the same thing. I realized this, like, right before we started the pod because like in the episode you see it happen actively and like it like connects to their face and I think that it does something similar to what happened in season one with Will because when Hopper and Joyce go into the upside down to find him initially he's connected like that and that was just like a smaller version of this yeah okay so I also think it's, it's a reference I think it references that as well yeah like it it connects him that way like a sort of like an oxygen mask because mm-hmm. it's like is doing this sort down. of like drinking motion and like this this like drinking kind of sound i think it's not drinking but filling okay because at the end of season one will barfs up the slug yeah um oh, right. so i oh, think so it's, it's going like in it's going into out. them so that it can control them right it's but putting instead, parts of itself in them right because it was like hanging out of will Will's mouth, but like, you know, their faces. No, I'm pretty sure it, it covers his face in season one. Right, yeah, but like, when they take it, they have to like pull it out. Yeah. But like, it doesn't go full on in because when we see Tom later, uh, he's like completely, like his face is completely fine and normal, um, but there isn't something hanging out of his mouth like it, like it is in. Right, well, they, but he doesn't get pulled out of the upside down. Right. I think it's a similar, right. the and, same apparatus. Sure, and then if, if it could still use him and still be like always connected to him than it would be but it couldn't i i don't think it's it's not that it's like connected it poisoned him with a parasite of itself mm-hmm. it deposited so that it can, something so that it can control him and like it did the same with will but it was just like it would have just kept him in the upside down if no one had come to got come to get him but it had, it had already poisoned him when they did Mm-hmm. So it's like a similar thing, but it's still different because, um, like, Will was like kind of staged, stayed there stationary, and it was like holding on to him, whereas Tom is allowed to like get up and walk around. Sure, it's it's evolved because okay. they're not in the upside down, but it is. It's like the upside down like built this creature out of itself mm-hmm. um, because it's not a demogorgon. Yeah, and it's I would like, say like if I were to guess, I would say it was probably like a mind flare. Ha 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 ha. But, it, like, I think the uh, the Upside Down created this creature, mm-hmm. and it has the abilities that, like, the plant life or natural, like, evolution of the Upside Down has as well. Yeah. So it's an evolved version of the same thing. This is, like, the scariest scene in the whole show to me. I respect that. It makes me want to cry. It makes me so sad. It is sad. <laughs> I'm crying again about this. I know. This. It's so sad. You know, like, I know that uh, Tom, like, is a really crappy guy, and it seems like, I don't know if he was a good dad, but he seems like a really crappy husband and not just, like, a, just, like, not a great guy overall. Mm-hmm. But, like, it really, it makes me so sad to think that, sorry. It's okay. That Tom and Janet, in, like, their last moments, thought that, like, their daughter had, like, betrayed them and, like, was the reason that they died. <laughs> it makes me so sad. I mean, it is sad, dude. It okay. These characters are not important. (laughs) The thing is that um, you are very in touch with your feelings. Yeah. They just, like, they look so confused. 
That's so sad. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm sad for, for Heather too. Like, I know that she's like being gone right now or whatever, but like we see later that Billy's still kind of in there. Yeah. Um, and so like it, it makes me so, so sad to think that. That at some Heather point at realizes. some point would wake up and realize that like she was the reason why her parents died or like that they thought that she had done this to them or mm-hmm. something like oh that just kills me it's so sad but like I said these characters aren't that important um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a really sad thing to me I think it I don't is know sad. If, I don't know if they they probably didn't even <laughs> mean to do this but oh. That gets me every time. And it's so scary, too. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, this, like, you're tied up, you can't do anything. Your daughter, who is, like, your only saving grace, is walking away from you, and this giant, terrifying monster comes, and it's, like, face or whatever is, like, getting closer and closer to you, and, like, that's, like, the last thing you see. Good God. that's terrifying. Good God. Ugh, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So scary. I can't even watch it. I had to watch it to do my notes, and I was like, <laughs> and then last night I was like, I'm not watching this. Ugh. Yeah, she, she actually closed her eyes. It was oh, so cute. It was scary. And meanwhile, I have no, like, grossness uh, or um, apparently emotions for Tertia characters. So I was watching it while I ate dinner. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's because you watch horror movies for fun. Yeah. Um, so Lucas calls Max with a code red, and she, like, just turns it off because she simply does not care. And <laughs> I love the detail of um like not just the detail of them sleeping in the same bed because that's exactly how a sleepover goes but like yeah just the amount of detail in the scene of like mm-hmm. i've been there i like also stuff. slept over at another girl's house and then like woken up in the morning and mm-hmm. you know and it's like early in the morning and you're like what time is it and the like the foot hanging off the bed yeah. and like the stuff on the floor it's perfect mm-hmm. it's very cute um, okay, so Lucas's hat. It is for an Italian cycling team. I don't know where he would have gotten <laughs> this. Um, but it said, uh, Lucas wears a cap of an Italian cycling team, Ceramiche Ariosti, from Reggio Emilia, active in professionalism from 1984 to 1993. So this is also a brand new cycling team, I guess. I don't know where he would have gotten this like, and why. Like, is this, like, an Olympics thing, or... I don't even know. I feel like it's a hat that, like, a costumer found in a shop and Maybe. looked it up, and it was like, oh, it's from the right era. And then sure, just yeah. It. <laughs> um, so the boys phone them, and Mike says that it is serious, and to come over, like, put your baggage aside for right now, and let's just let show up, please. Um, if I were the girls, I would still feel like this was a trap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. You know, to, like, come over and, like, either talk to them or, like, make fun of them or something. Mm-hmm. And be like, wow, you showed up, so you still like me, huh? Mm. They like, you know, my negativity is like, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> and Dustin also won't answer them, so they are just trying to gather everybody but Dustin, I guess. It's, it's nice busy. that they finally, like, care to call him. Mm-hmm. So the girls show up at Mike's house. Um, I kind of, I thought for a second, like, oh, I kind of feel bad for Gaten because he doesn't get to, like, hang out with his friends this season. But, like, Millie didn't get to do it last season. And at least Gaten gets to hang out with, like, Joe and Maya. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, like, Eleven wasn't, she was in with, like, a, just several people, you yeah, know? Yeah, like strangers. A, yeah. Like, a lot of the time. And then Hopper. So Will is getting these, like, Mind Flayer-esque feelings. And he thought at first he had made he had made it up. Um, he felt it at the movie theater, and then in the field, and then last night at Castle Byers. And he said that it feels like when you go down a drop on a roller coaster. So my and favorite I, feeling. My favorite. I do agree that, like, 
not expecting it or knowing that you're on a roller coaster, that is probably a terrifying feeling to oh, have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it kind of paralyzes you, you know? Like, you can't do anything while you're having that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone relates to that except for Eleven because she has never been on a roller coaster. Season, on a roller coaster. Season four, give me a Disney World mm-hmm. episode. Or, like, Six oh Flags, Bush Gardens. Like, give me something. A flashback version, like a throwback version of Disneyland. Would love to see it. That would if, be so cool. I recommend Netflix the heck. Like, no. I recommend the heck out of the movie Saving Mr. Banks for, like, a bajillion reasons. One of which being getting to see, like, their old, old set of Disneyland. It is so fun. I want to see that. It is so cool. Uh, But he says, so it's a drop on a roller coaster, except it's colder and harder to breathe. So I'm like, wow, I'm actually not interested. (laughs) He said he used to feel it when the mind flare was close. Oh, my next question. How do they give Noah the shivers every time? Because we get, we like, you like see the bumps on his neck. They must like run an ice cube Mm -hmm. somewhere or like. I think it's CGI. Really? CGI for for neck shivers? Yeah. Would they spend the money on that instead of just giving him shivers? Absolutely. I don't believe it. Mm. I think I think Noah would be like, that's not necessary. I can get shivers. <laughs> <laughs> they play they play like the really specific uh, lyrics from Taylor Swift that yeah. give people the chills. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yes, we closed the gate, but what if we accidentally locked part of him outside? Like the piece that was inside of me is still around. And so it's like, could be, why don't we just assume the worst and try and fix it? Because we can't just do nothing. Yeah. Um, so he would need a new host, and Eleven already has an inkling of who it might be, even though Max is like, oh god, I hope not. Yep. Poor Max. I know she doesn't like him, and we don't like him either, but no one wants to experience that. Yeah, right. and she clearly does have, like, some sort of soft spot for him. Like, he- at the end of the day, he unfortunately is her older brother, and like no matter, sometimes no matter how shitty your family members are, you still care about them. Yeah. yeah. And like even though they didn't technically like grow up together or anything, like he is the closest thing that she has to somebody who has been like around the longest, mm-hmm. um, that isn't like her stepdad, who's just Ugh. like horrible. Ugh. I mean, Billy's not great either, but like, you know, at least she had Billy when she had, when she moved here, and she didn't have anyone. Yeah. yeah. Even, like, even though he was bad to her, like, at least, you know, he would give her a ride and he was, like, around. Yeah. So they go to the pool, Billy's at work, and they're like, oh, he looks pretty normal. And it's like, okay, well, if he likes it cool, why does he have a tower over his leg, a towel over his legs? And I was like, maybe it's a wet towel. Mm. And that's, like, cooling him down. That's my guess. It is weird that he has a shirt on, though, because usually he doesn't have a shirt on. I think it's to, it's It's less the heat, necessarily, but, and more the sun. The actual sun. Yeah. Right, because uh, I think in a previous episode we saw his, like, skin, like, almost, like, kind of bubbling, right? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, you know in the, in the Scooby-Doo movies... What do you do to those monsters that go oh, inside? Oh right, they people, have to come. They right? have to come into the sun. I like saw it. Like, I saw ah! it in my brain, and I was like, "What movie is that?" It's yep. a live action Scooby Doo movie. Yep. So Will says that sometimes he's not using you, and then you can kind of like be warm and be normal because um, it's only when he's like active that is the main problem. Mm-hmm. But they can't just wait for him to be needed. We need to take him out now in case he hurts somebody. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, a few pu- a few preteens are just going to do this. And like, are they yeah, capable? They are. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think they're teens by now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, maybe just. Yeah, like yeah. 13, 14. Yeah. So Mike runs away and it's boys only. And you're like, ah, oh, come on. But it's because they're going into the men's room. So like, I'll allow it. But like, <laughs> you're on thin ice, pal. Do they have to pay to go to the pool? Or can they just like hang out in the locker room? Uh, I think they can just hang out. Like a lot of times, 
a lot of small town pools, your parents pay a membership at the beginning of okay, that's uh, what I figured a, of the season or whatever, and then you just go. Okay, cool. Because you're on the list. Mm-hmm. So they want to get him into the sauna, which is currently filled with naked old guys. Um, and then we'll definitely know that he is the host. And if not, he just thinks we're like weird and like mm-hmm. pranking him, I guess. Yeah. Um, like later, he's like, "Is this a prank?" And it's like, even if it was just a prank, he's going to hurt you. Like, he's yeah. just not the bad like, guy to prank. Weird prank. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh, it goes up to two twenty. And I'm like, is that what the thermometer says? Or is that what, like, it's just interesting to me that, like, if the dial goes to 220, the thermometer, you would think, would go past that so that you could see if it, if it went past 220. Like, I think it's a safety issue about this thermometer needs to go Mm -hmm. higher. So the next scene, we see Billy in his IC, and Will and Lucas just, like, walk into the maintenance shed. You know how you do. Because why not? Um, Lucas tries to apologize for being a jerk, but Will doesn't want to hear it because there are more important things going on right now, and he just grabs the chains. I think that he- I agree, there is more important things going on, but I also think he's just, like, not into dealing with this right now. I don't think he was ready to have that conversation. Yeah. Mike forced it on them. Lucas wasn't even there for that conversation, so it's likely that Mike didn't tell him about it. Yeah, like, I don't think that Mike would have told Lucas what happened after Will left, and I I, like, I understand- because of the conversation he has with Mike that he's not ready to, like, listen to anything like that. But I also feel like Lucas is 100% genuine, where Mike is yeah. not always 100% genuine, because Mike is way more selfish than Lucas. Right. I, this, yeah, this is literally the next scene, but, like, the way that Mike apologizes is completely different than yep. Lucas. Because, because Lucas actually says, I'm sorry, and there is mm-hmm. no actual apology in the way that Mike is speaking. Yeah, Lucas is like, I'm sorry, this is the thing that we did wrong, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and right. Mike is, excuse, 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 excuse. Yeah, let me explain myself instead of saying that I was in the wrong. It's, like, definitely, like, different sort of, and I like it because it's different kinds of writing for different teenagers. Yeah, right. It's realistic to Mike, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I I agree. I don't think that Lucas knows about the conversation between Mike and Will because um, Lucas only apologizes about the D&D game. Yeah. That's the only thing he apologizes for because that's the only thing that he knows that he needs to apologize for. And I do agree that deserved an apology because they were really crappy to him during that D&D game. Um, Yeah, so Eleven opens the lock, and this is, like, the little room where Billy almost killed Karen. Yep, we're back in that little room. Um, she grabs a CPR dummy, and, like, Mike shows up, and Mike, like, kind of tries to be cute, but Eleven's not into it. She's <laughs> not falling for it. In 301, she would have died laughing at this joke. <laughs> but she's like, not anymore, King. Uh-uh. Like Eleven's, like, learning what her personality is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mike's like, hey, I gotta tell you, I lied about Nana. And she's like, really? Yeah, no kidding. You're he's kidding. Like, he's like, okay, well, I expected you not to know. So that kind of, you know, that's a wild card. But okay, so let me explain to you why I lied. Uh, Hopper went insane and he made me lie. And like, he's just an old man who hates joy. That's her, that's her father figure, okay? Exactly. Careful yeah. there. He literally says old man who hates joy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't come between the relationship that you're trying to come between right now. That's uh, not going to work out for you, my guy. Even if I was mad at my dad, Mm -hmm. if someone, like, said something like that about him, I'd be like, okay, you're losing brownie points majorly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I said, I'm not hearing a sorry at all in this entire speech that he's making. (laughs) Like, so Eleven's like, okay, well, maybe Hopper was right because, like, everything we were doing, like, was kind of sucky and now I understand that. And I'm a different species, so I guess I'll go hang out with my species. Um, and so he knows that she spied because I guess that was, like, what, the only time he's ever said that? Said <laughs> the word species. 
And he's like, that's against the rules. And she's like, I do not care. I like the idea that they established those boundaries, yeah. though. Because she has spied on him in the past. Like, back when they were, like, super away from each other in season two and everything. Mm-hmm. She was, like, constantly going mm-hmm. in and trying to, to spy on him. So I or like... Trying to contact him then. Right, but. exactly. So I like I like that they clearly have, like, established those bla- boundaries once they, like, were actually hanging out together again. I think yeah. that was really healthy. It's just unfortunate that, like, most of the other things weren't. <laughs> yeah. Everything um, else they were doing was terrible. Yeah, and so Eleven was like, I don't care. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Max is just left watching Billy to make sure that he doesn't go anywhere, and she's, like, really, really hoping that it isn't him. And then we see Billy has a Niagara Falls hat and is, Amazing. like, playing with his little lighter. Yeah. Which I was cool enough for a Niagara Falls hat. <laughs> I totally relate to Max being like, I listen, I don't like you, but I don't want you to, like, be going through what Will went through last season because she mm-hmm. was there for that. Yeah. So Billy showers after hours, which rhymes. He gets his pants on and then he hears something. So he goes running to find whoever it was. And he's like, hello, the pool is closed. Um, And it's like Mike creepily like calling for Billy and doing this like creepy, (laughs) creepy laughing isn't as creepy when you know who's doing it. Yeah. But it's like kids in horror movies. Yeah. It's very, it's very that. Mm -hmm. This scene also straight up reminds me of the scene from Hocus Pocus when, uh, Max uses, it's also Max, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Max uses the, like, tape recorder from the library or whatever to lure the witches into the uh, kiln in the art department. Yeah, it's a school kiln. And, like, turn the heat on on them and, like, kill them. Mm. Okay, sure. It doesn't work then. Right. So it does, it makes sense also that it doesn't work now. Yeah. But it's very similar vibes. Do you think that it could be an homage? I think that it definitely is, but I also, I'm pretty sure Hocus Pocus came out in the 90s, not in the 80s. Sure. Like, not necessarily it's, like, something the kids, like, took from Hocus Pocus, but, like, it could be, like, a writing. I think, I do think it is a writing reference to Hocus Pocus. Um, so they lure him into the sauna with Mike's voice, but the CPR dummy is inside and they were using, like, a tape recorder, like you said. My aesthetic and my sense of humor is... Billy turning around and Eleven attacking Billy right be- right after saying hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she just goes hi, and then she. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I love when characters do that. I think yeah. it's hysterical. She's like, "Good day, sir." <laughs> the straight up deadpan of like, "Hi." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they chain him in, and he sees Max, and like really does look kind of like betrayed mm-hmm. by by that. Um, and then they they turn it on. Yikes! All right, so. <laughs> Billy starts yelling at them, um, and he's like, is this some prank? And I'm like, does it look like they're laughing? It's a really (laughs) hard prank, if so. Yeah, and also they all look, like, terrified. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like a a prank to me, if I were to guess. Yeah. So he starts screaming, and this is scary. If I, like, I mean, these kids have been through a lot, Mm -hmm. but, like, it doesn't make a lot of things any less scary. No, exactly. Even after you've seen other scary things. They put it up to 220 degrees, which I assume is still safe for a person, or else it wouldn't be an option on the Yeah, on the I think it's probably safe. Um, just, like, obviously not comfortable it's for It's just going to make player. him the most uncomfortable. Right. I gotta tell you, I would never. I respect that. Sauna drive me insane. My, my thing is, and I need to look more closely to the... I, I'm, I'm really focusing in on this, this thermometer for some reason, but... Um, and I need to look at it to see if it goes any higher than 220. The dial goes to 220, but does the thermometer go higher than 220? Because even, like... At the fridge, like in the fridge at work, we have a thermometer, but you can still see if it's like too hot to mm-hmm. be safe, you know? So it's like, 
this thermometer just needs to have more options on it mm-hmm. so that you can see, like, anyway. <laughs> Robin's like, I have some thermometer content. I have, like, issues. five different notes about this thermometer, oh and I'm not really sure why. So Billy starts crying, says it's not his fault, and that he's done bad things, but he didn't mean to, and that he made him do it. Okay, so here's the conversation about whether this is real Billy or not. I think a bit of both. Uh, I think it is a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that see like i feel like he's using billy's real emotions possibly Mm -hmm. but the mind flayer is controlling what he says Mm -hmm. as well because billy would never let himself be this vulnerable in front of these kids exactly counterpoint even the like hardest and like toughest people if they've been like trapped for days and they're finally being let out i kind of see him being like oh my god max help me if this is his only opportunity to talk as himself that's in like days yeah that's that's a really good point i just i have a hard time reconciling the vulnerability of what he says in this scene with like any genuine sure coming from a genuine place from billy yeah no, I agree that I agree with that as well. It like it feels like potentially the emotions are his, but then like his body is being um, controlled by the mind flare because like it picks up that like piece of glass or whatever. And um, I don't know if the Billy that is, or or maybe like the words. I feel like potentially the words are Billy's, but yes. then the emotion is being expedited like I think you said to be manipulative yeah yeah um I also think that if it was real Billy he would come up to the window faster mm-hmm. um and try and like like if I'm trying to get somebody to do something trying to try to get me out of somewhere I want to be right close to their face you know yeah it, it's just like so they can see your emotion more clearly and you just crying in the corner I think that's exhaustion, like you were saying, from, like, being trapped for Mm -hmm. so long. Yeah. And it's also more emotionally manipulative to make yourself seem smaller. Yeah, that's true. One of the things that I mentioned on the Picard podcast last year was that, like, some actors, if they have a crying scene, they will cover their faces, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of, like, seen as a cop-out, because uh, then you're, like, not showing the emotions that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. having, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's the same thing here not that he's um not that he's hiding it but that being far away from her could signify that it's not real because right. if you're close and you're seeing the emotions up close mm-hmm. then it's like more realistic and you can see more of it and you're more likely to believe it and yeah. him being far Whereas away him, like could show that it's not necessarily real yeah okay <laughs> so once again we haven't really come to a conclusion but we should sure <laughs> enjoy talking about it he talks about how it's like a giant giant shadow, and then she starts crying too and asks him to talk to, to them. Um, he grabs the shard of glass, and like I said, the, I think the Mind Flayer is using his body, even though Billy currently potentially has his mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Will feels the Mind Flayer. Um, so th- does that mean that he just got here? Because he, like, feels mind, the Mind Flayer as he's picking up the shard of glass, which kind of... I think that indicates sense. the Mind Flayer's in control. Yeah, but, like, just now? Yes. Okay, so, like, that means potentially that that was actually Billy? I think so. What do you think? I think that it just means that he is... He's taking more control. Taking more control. And, like, actively... I think it's a move of action rather than, like, uh, 
like a what's the opposite of passive active 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 I wanted to say like passive action mm-hmm. would have been like what he was doing with Billy like being manipulative and like crying on the floor. Uh-huh. Um whereas an like, active action, active action is redundant. <laughs> is redundant though. So I was like, what's the yeah. word that I want to use here? No, I think we know what you um, mean though. But like once he's like fully he's just controlling like the outpour of emotions at so he's only controlling his mind, mm-hmm. I think, up until that point, and then he like takes control of his body. Yeah. And which makes it stronger because it that would obviously require more effort than just like mental manipulation. Mm-hmm. That's a good um, point. So Will is probably aware of the like extra output from the monster sure, okay. that it takes to control Billy's body. Gotcha. So then Billy breaks through the window um, and on IMDb it said, when Billy breaks the window of the sauna during the sauna test, the horrified expressions of the children are genuine. Dacre Montgomery improvised headbutting the glass in the sauna door. The glass broke unexpectedly, terrifying the kids. Wait, that what? was real glass? I don't know if it was real glass or if, like, if I were to to guess, like, maybe it wasn't necessarily improvised, but, like, maybe he had talked to Sean Levy ahead of time and was, like, make that sugar glass just for that scene or something like that so that I can, like, freak him out or something. I don't know, but I like, I really like the fact that they didn't know that was coming. Actually, what I would assume is that he was just supposed to punch through it. And he decided to put his head through it instead. Oh, that's, that's, that makes way more sense because sugar glass is, like, pretty clear when it's not, like, not pretty clear, but, like, I mean, it's pretty obvious when it's sugar glass based on, or versus actual glass mm-hmm. so the kids probably would be able to tell that that's a good point Brittany. that i bet he was just supposed to do something else and then headbutting is what he it's what he way did. more intense yeah. than just a hand through it mm-hmm. yeah i feel like after this conversation i have to go back and rewatch the full sauna test <laughs> so then lucas hits him in the head with his slingshot which like finally i mean like every time he hits him he hits anything with his slingshot it's like four points of damage but this time it was like 15 and i respect that exactly mm-hmm. so the lights flicker which is just classic mind flare. Billy sort of like transforms and they don't believe that he can break through the chains, but then he does. Um, Eleven hits him with the dumbbell and he's stuck against the wall and it's like choking him and like crushing his windpipe yeah. basically. He somehow fights it and gets it off and starts choking Eleven. Um, and the others just kind of like stand there. Why don't they do anything? Like, I get it. But also like at that point they're in such terrified shock. For sure. There's no, They're like like, I what could I what, possibly do? Yeah, uh, that's very good. Yeah. But I um, also am like, if it was me, I would be pulling a mic and, yeah. like, knocking this. Sh- right. Like, our favorite our, our favorite mic moment of the season so truly. far, certainly. Um, my thing is that, like, yeah, they're just standing there because, like, I would be like, what can I do? And, like, what can they do? But, like, something, do something. surely. Like, yeah. surely can anything. do anything. Like, scream? Yeah. So then he's going to attack Mike, but then Eleven gets him again and, like, throws him through the brick wall. That's when Eleven collapses in Mike's arm. And this is kind of like a famous shot that they've been working on for so long that she was actually just straight up that tired. I feel terrible for Millie, but also, like, I know that she's an incredible actress, Mm -hmm. but I'm also, like... I hope that the people making this show also remember that she is still a child. Yeah. She's just little. Like, yeah. I know, I agree. Don't put her in unsafe conditions. I think that ultimately Millie probably looks back on that shot like, nice, it was worth it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree that like, 
you still have to, like, worry about your health, like, in the moment as well. Mm -hmm. There was a thing on, I think that this was on um, Stranger Things Wiki about this. Um, So, director of the episode, Sean Levy, who, by the way, directed my favorite movie of all time at the Museum (laughs) 2, Battle of the Smithsonian. I recommend it. It's on Disney+, Plus, at least in Canada. Uh, he revealed that the sauna sequence between Billy and the kids required at least three months of storyboarding and stunt choreography before the team t- started shooting it. He explained that they spent enti- entirely four days, 10 to 12 hours every day in the set working out the scenes. He also had to film the entire sequence with Millie Dacre, Finn, Noah, Caleb, and Sadie using only two handheld cameras for maximum intensity. While commending Millie Bobby Brown and Dacre Montgomery for their sublime performances, Levy also revealed that when Eleven collapsed into Mike's arms at the end of the sequence, it was due to real exhaustion of the actress. That was crazy. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also says the only scene where a stunt double was required was when Billy was pinned to the wall with a barbell to get a wider view. Excluding the scene, the whole fight sequence was filmed with Millie and Dacre. Levy also mentioned that the moment when Billy was getting possessed by the mind flare, it was Dacre Montgomery's idea to have Billy's feet dragging on the floor, which he shot on a full close-up. Sounds like Dacre's very good, uh... At, like, it has an eye for yeah. directing as well. Yeah. Um, since the sequence had no dialogue, Levy played out some of the original scores from the first and second seasons of Stranger Things so that the actors could get in the mood for the horrific sequence. I like it. It's really good. Sometimes you gotta yeah. just, like, the, you Let gotta have the vibes. Yeah. If, it, if it's just, like, mm-hmm. if it's just, like, silent, like, yeah. <laughs> like just not, you just don't get the feeling. So then Billy runs away, which mm-hmm. I respect. Not that I respect Billy, but like I, 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 respect, I respect running away. I respect running away. Um, and then we get the music that goes, we'll meet again. So that's your foreshadowing, knowing that like this is obviously not the end. I mean, it's just the fourth episode. However, this is the halfway point of the season, which mm-hmm. is crazy because it feels like up till now, we've just kind of been like, doop, 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 like twiddling our thumbs, just hanging out, you know? Yeah. The, the next four episodes, like, so much happens. For it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the last scene, um, Heather asks about Eleven. Um, she knows that he's part of the Mind Flayer and could have killed him, but she doesn't know about the rest of us. And there's like 20 or 30 of them. And uh, they did the thing that they did last episode, which is when they like end the music or they end the episode with like this cheery music, mm-hmm. uh, which we love. However, you've done it two times in a row now. Careful. <laughs> Don't Robin's overdo like, it. Robin's like, I'm watching you. I'm gonna complain next time if you do it again. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Um. So now we're gonna go into segments. Uh. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. So Good Guy Steve Alert. Steve offers to take down the armed guard. Would he have done it? Well, probably not. <laughs> but he he offered to. Good Guy Steve Alert. Steve tells everyone to step back when he's opening the crate so that he can protect everybody else. Honestly, that was definitely good guy. The Steve. whole episode of Good Guy Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though he just says some dumb stuff. You know, it's true. He's a himbo. It's so the, true. It's in the contract. Exactly. Um, and my segment is how annoying was Jonathan this episode? Uh, like zero out of ten. He wasn't annoying at all. I personally would probably give him like a two, just because because uh, of his like last like two lines in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, but. but people also lash out when they're angry, and he was yeah. justifiably angry. So I'm gonna give him a pass. Oh my God, look I at know, that growth. Bro. Wow. <laughs> And my segment is, did Jopra acknowledge their obvious history? Yeah, they did. They super did. And, uh, like, she saw him naked yeah. at the beginning of the episode. She undressed him, also. Um, and then they flirted later on. Yeah. I'm like, multiple times. It's like, not consensually, but also, like, what else was she supposed to do? It was for, like, for his safety, so, Oh, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. And he seems, like, not that mad about it. <laughs> right. Yep. I think, uh... Robert and I also decided that this wasn't the first time that she's seen him yeah. naked, because uh, they probably hooked up in high school. That's so, our headcanon. 
So they they acknowledge that history. But I also kind of like the idea of it, like, this has been, like, building to, like, mm. for, like, years and years and years and years and years. I also like that. Yeah. Could go either way. <laughs> uh, and now it's time for our best line award. So my best line award goes to Dustin for... Touch my butt! I don't care! <laughs> um, and I think we all have to have honorable mentions for this one. Yeah. So my honorable mention goes to Steve and Dustin for... What? I sneak up behind him, I knock him out, and I take his key card. It's easy. Did you not hear the part about the massive gun? Yes, Dustin, I did. And that's why I would be sneaking. It's so good. Like, Joe's delivery of the, that line is just hilarious. He's amazing. Yeah. I can't believe we weren't using him like this in season one. Yeah. What an absolute waste. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Every single day, I thank the actual Lord that they didn't make Steve a rapist in season two like they wanted to. Yeah. That I think about that up. all the time. That was, oh. Ugh. Thank you, world, that you didn't do that. That would have been so upsetting. Yeah, that's That probably right. would have, like, tanked the show, honestly. Joe yeah. Carey was made for this role. Yeah. For, for a role like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that they saw that and they took advantage of it. It's yeah. amazing. And my favorite line award, my first one, <laughs> goes to Joyce for... Who you calling? The police? <laughs> Just like, thank Who you, you Winona Ryder, for your comedic timing. Mm-hmm. And then my other favorite line award goes to Joyce and Hopper for... I want you to forget about sales. I want you to come on for me at the Hawkins PD. I have to look at your face every day? I don't think so. Because, like, she straight up would love to look at his face every day. And you can see it. that on her face. Mm -hmm. So, so good. True. And my favorite line award goes to Stephen Robin for... Missing bones and stuff. You can bend like gumbo. You mean Gumby? I'm pretty sure it's gumbo. It, like, what's not to find funny about that one? <laughs> like, you know, I love how one of your lines and one of my lines is just Steve saying things so confidently that are just straight up false. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my honorable mention goes to Erica for... You can't spell America without Erica. But, like, I really wish that it could... The, my favorite line award is really Dustin's silence. Mm. Dustin's As he tries just, to work just it deadpan out. reaction of, like... Oh, well, I guess you can't spell America without Erica, but never thought about it that way. <laughs> I respect the hell out of Dustin being like, no, no, I'm the words on this one, Robin. Don't worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate it. Um, that's how people find our show. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Robin and I are currently covering season three. It's one of my favorite seasons up to obvious points mm -hmm. um <laughs> justice for alexa we're having a good time uh we're demanding justice for alexa and everyone else that was terribly wronged by the show including justice ourselves for Lincoln. including ourselves yeah uh if you're a fan of riverdale we like to talk about that show too we have an episode for quite literally every single episode of riverdale mm. um, is that sad yes but are we proud of it also yes i think a lot of people really like it i have a great time recording it so you guys should check it out um we're currently on a hiatus in the midst of season five so mm. great time for you to catch up you don't even have to watch riverdale to listen to it apparently there's it's a lot of people time. who don't watch it they just <laughs> listen to the pod and i respect them for yeah. that mm -hmm. um if you're a fan of lost we like to talk about that show too um we are finished seasons one and two and we are approaching the middle of season three. I'm having a great time. I really love season three. Um, and it is spoiler free. So if you want to watch with us for the first time, Lost just dropped on Disney Plus. So um, you have no excuse because everyone has Disney Plus, right? Uh, watch along with us. It would be super fun. And if you're a fan of the show, hit me up because we do guests over there. Woohoo! If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that whole thing. 
Um, we covered season one of Star Trek Picard, and we are getting some very interesting season two tidbits, and I'm like dying to talk about the show. But yeah, um, you can listen to our Star Trek pod. We're doing other Star Trek things soon-ish. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, though. Dave? (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) Figure it out, bald! You can follow The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly on Twitter, but uh, Robin does make gifts of our hilarious favorite line awards, of which she will have to make several this episode. I recently started doing the 301 gifts that are coming out like months from now on the tumblr i'm just super ahead of schedule um but i i cannot wait to start using isn't it time you died to every republican oh yeah 100 i'm scared i'm gonna get suspended on twitter so maybe i won't but i'll use it in my texts about every republican Talking to you, Mitch McConnell. i'll send it to yeah, yeah i'll send it to mitch mcconnell <laughs> and ted cruz yes um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, yikes, it is expensive. So we really do need your help. And we now have, like, so many different tiers. So hopefully there is something there that you feel maybe would make it worth it for you. Um, we would really appreciate it. And if you can't help us out on Patreon, um, check out shoppylux.com. That's a way for you to help us and get something cool out of it. And if not for either of those things, please recommend us to a friend. Um... We would love for you to tell a friend about this podcast um, and any of our other podcasts. Um, we would really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And I'm not going to re- recommend it because that was really annoying this week. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. Um, the next episode is episode 305. However, I think the next thing on this feed is actually going to be a preview for our Patreon-only podcast in which we talk about, um, some of our favorite, like, throwback media, things that came out before we were born. Um, so enjoy that and check out all of our other, um, uh, previews of that going out on our various feeds. Um, after that, episode 305, it's called The Flayed. It comes out on June 30th, but... If you're a Patreon um, sponsor, uh, you will get it on June 23rd. So, I don't know. Seems worth it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.